Well, good morning, everyone. And thank you for being here. Uh, we welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. And those who are at the venue, you, we welcome you there also. And uh, those that are online, uh, we're glad you joined us this morning. So uh, it's a pleasure being here. Just to uh, comment on the uh, jumbo screen and on your bulletins, uh, there's a reason why my last name is not displayed uh, uh, it's just for a security purpose. I do a lot of international traveling, and it's not for my security. It's for the people that I visit, so my name's not up on the board. So uh, I was in an elder board meeting a few months ago giving a report, and uh, Pastor Rick told me, he says, Roger, our church needs to hear from our global missions pastor. And I told him, you know, that would be a great opportunity. But I think the real reason he has asked me to speak to you today is when he comes back in a few weeks, you're going to appreciate him even more than you do now. <laughs> well, I would take, like to take a few minutes and introduce some of our missionaries that are here. Uh, we have people that have literally flown from all over the world, and uh, I would like to introduce some of them. And when I introduce them, I like to ask them to stand, but I would also like to ask that you would hold your applause until I was done with the introductions. Uh, first, uh, the introduction I'm going to make is... Uh, Shika, she is actually not here right now. Her plane is four days late. And uh, that's how things go in India. They had just some terrific storms, and she was supposed to be here Thursday. Now she's not coming in until tomorrow. But uh, she works in northeast India, and uh, through her efforts in the Holy Spirit, uh, they have just uh, brought lots and lots of people to the Lord, planted many churches, and uh, it's been a pleasure working with Shika. Uh, also, we have Domu here. Domu, if you'd rise, please. Uh, Domu represents Indonesia. Domu, uh, with God's help, has developed a ministry model that brings the gospel message to the people of Indonesia. There have been thousands of people who have come to the Lord through this ministry. Many churches have been planted through this particular ministry, and uh, Domu has been a partner of ours since 1998. Now, Domu works in one of the hardest places in the world to do ministry. It's uh, an incredible job that he's done there. Uh, Dale Skiles and myself, we were there to visit uh, Pardo earlier this year, and uh, we were able to meet with the church planters. There's, uh, it was just a blessing to be there, to see that ministry. I was really encouraged to see what's going on, and uh, God may, may God continue to bless you in your ministry, Domu. And we also have, uh, <laughs> we also have uh, Rocco here. Is he in? There he is. Okay, Rocco and Caroline, they work in uh, Jena, Germany, and uh, they've been there for quite a while. He has planted different churches in Germany and now has a church that is working directly with the incoming refugees, uh, as well as visiting the refugee camps regularly. Uh, Caroline, his wife, has learned to speak Farsi, and it's just an incredible how she was able to do that. But uh, during the main worship services, she would be like, like if this was a service, she would be sitting towards the back of the church and all the Farsi-speaking people would be sitting around her and she just translates the message as it's going on. It was very interesting. I had the pleasure to be there uh, earlier this year. We visited uh, Rocco's church. It's a very diverse church. It's a wonderful church that's going on. And this city of Jena, Germany, is a very atheistic area. It's just incredible. It was part of uh, Eastern Germany, uh, Communist Germany, 
and it also has a large uh, university in the town, and so it's a very difficult place to, to do ministry, but Rocco and Colonel have been doing a great job, and they've been actually uh, supported out of this church 35 years, Rocco? 35 years he's been working on that ministry. Just incredible job, and thank you, Rocco, for being here. Also, Rocco is going to be our speaker next weekend, so uh, we'll hear a great message from Rocco next weekend. Uh, David and Florence Tam, uh, they're actually out on, uh, they're in Asia right now. Uh, I think Florence is home, but David's gone. Uh, they work in, through Singapore, but, and they were born and raised there. But just recently, they moved back to the States. But they will continue to travel throughout Asia with various unreached people groups as part of their missionary work. David and Florence have been partners of uh, Big Valley Grace since 1998. Uh, Steve and Diane Warren are here. Steve and Diane, would you stand, please? Uh, they work with Agape's Children's Ministry. Now, everybody, I'm sure, here pretty much recognizes Steve and Diane. They were sent out from this church, I think, over 20 years ago. Uh, they have dedicated their lives to serving the Lord, and it's just a pleasure to work with you guys and to do ministry with you, and uh, may God continue to bless your ministries. Thank you for being here. And then we have David Unruh. Dave, if you could stand, please. Uh, Dave and I have been good friends for the past 14 years. We've done ministry together for 14 years that I can think of. And uh, Dave works with Mission India. He's our local representative. He's actually a member of this church. David helps facilitate Mission India by being a uh, mission mobilizer. And what a mission mobilizer is is somebody that just encourages other people to get involved in the ministry. Mission India helps plant churches they create literacy training and children's Bible clubs. Thank you for being here, Dave. It's just a pleasure to work with you, sir. May God continue to bless your ministry, too. Now, Dr. Keith Campbell is here. Keith uh, just has joined us a few months ago. If I, I think you guys remember, we sent him out from this church. He works with Wycliffe Bible Translations. He works alongside missionaries and translators to ensure their continual physical and spiritual health so that they can complete the transformation of the Bible into the heart language of the Bibleist people groups of the world. Would you give these guys a hand, please? Now, this coming week, uh, these missionaries are going to be sponsored in a lot of our uh, church ministries. Uh, men's ministry is going to, uh, I think part is going to be in men's ministry. Uh, if you guys haven't been to men's for a while, Come this week. It's going to be uh, interesting. Also, the women's uh, Bible study is going to have our missionaries sponsored in their uh, uh, ministry. Uh, the children's ministry, Wednesday evening. We've been working on this a couple of months with Tim Gianosa and his group. We've really put something really great together for the kids. All the missionaries are going to be there. They're going to be able to interact with the kids. We've set up some really, really cool programs. And if, again, if your kids haven't been to children's ministry on Wednesday night lately, bring them this week. They'll be really encouraged. It'll be a great time. And then also uh, coming Saturday, we're going to have uh, the women's prayer group is putting on a uh, luncheon or a brunch, I think it is, for the uh, missionary women. And I think that starts at nine o'clock. I think they're selling tickets out of the uh, kiosk out on the side here. So uh, make sure you get involved in that. Uh, also next weekend, they're going to have the table set up. All the missionaries are going to have their table set up on the back of church in the foyer. Um, you know, go out there and talk to these people when they have their table set up. Encourage them. 
they're a part of our church. Welcome them. Make them feel at home. It would be just great if each one of you guys would just spend a little bit of time uh, meeting these people and getting to know them. And uh, uh, it would be a blessing, I'm sure, to all of you. So uh, thank you guys for all being here this morning. You know, in the past 10 years, there have been many significant news events. Airplanes blowing up, uh, uh, just all kinds of terrible news events, even tornadoes, earthquakes. We've had terrorist attacks, groups of people being slaughtered and killed. And, and there's just a lot of just really bad news out there. But, you know, I believe the most significant news event is that in the past 10 years is that Christianity is now the fastest growing faith in the world and that every 24 hours, believe it or not, there's 174,000 people come to the knowledge of the Lord. Now that is an incredible, incredible number. Each week, there's 3,500 new churches that are planted. And if we break this down, that's 7,250 new believers every hour. God is really working. In the last 10 years, there have been over 300 million new believers in the world. Of those 300 million new believers, 10 million of those were from North America and Europe. The other 290 million, to just let you know how God is working in other places, are from places like Nigeria, Argentina, India, China, uh, Southeast Asia, Indonesia. The Holy Spirit is working in those countries in a mighty way. And there is a momentum that is going on right now. And that's what makes it so exciting to be involved in missions. There's an estimate that in the next 10 years, there will be 600, more, 600 million more new believers in the next 10 years. Now in India, one ministry that we support, just one ministry, and there's hundreds of ministries in India, but the one that we support, they have 4,200 new believers every day in that ministry. And in China alone, there are 80 million evangelical Christians and it's growing at a rate of five times the general population. So be encouraged. There is good news out there. We just never hear it, that's all. But uh, God is alive and well and working and uh, it's just incredible what he is doing at this time. There is a video I'd like you to watch. Would you just please join me and watch this video? For 2,000 years, we have had some very good news to share. The good news that originated with one man, the Son of Man, and has been changing lives ever since. Out of the 7 billion people on our planet, nearly one-third of us have heard and embraced the good news of the Gospel message. We know Jesus and call Him Lord. Another third have heard this good news but have not responded to it. Some have simply ignored it. Some have rejected it. And then there are those who have never heard it. Two billion people living in places where no missionary has set foot, speaking languages in which no scripture is available, listening but having no opportunity to respond to this good news. More than 400 million of these people live in just one country, my country, India. Many are held down by illiteracy. One in four Indians 
cannot read or write. Many are locked in poverty. Nearly 300 million people live on less than $2 a day. Our children face incredible injustice. Half of those who start school don't complete it. Many worship silent idols, believe in black magic, and their lives are governed by the caste system. These are the tools of the deceiver to lay claim to India's unreached people. But the people of God are also here. We come from many different walks of life. From every corner of this great nation, we are diverse but share the same vision to see India transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. We have dedicated our lives to this. We have invested our blood, sweat and tears to bringing Jesus where his name is not at known. We will not stop until we have reached every unreached place. And when you join with Mission India, you're partnering with us. Together we will replace fear with hope. Together we will turn tears into laughter. Together we will shine light into dark places because this is our calling. This is our mission. Our mission is India. Now, isn't that a great video? You know, the gospel is spreading all over the world, but there is still a lot to do. Now, I want to spend a little time talking to you about Abraham and the Israelites. God had a plan. The story of the Israelites starts with Abraham. Abraham lived his life pleasing to God. Genesis 12, verses 2 to 3. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that's a, a prophecy of Jesus coming to the earth. God promised them the land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey. Now God blessed Abraham to be a blessing. Now that's an interesting concept and I think that's, that's a concept that we should all accept ourselves. You know, when God blesses us, it's not for us to hold on to, but it's to bless others with the blessings that God gives us. In Joshua 1 verse 13, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. So basically God's plan at that time was to raise up the Israelites bring them into Canaan, and give them rest. Now, the story of the Israelites was very interesting to me as a young boy in Sunday school, and I learned about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his 12 sons, and how one was sold into slavery, and then the other 12 came, and then there was 400 years. 400 years later, God raised up a great nation of over a million people. But, you know, God heard... They're complaining and they're uh, groaning about them being under slavery. And God raised up Moses and they led the Israelites out of Egypt. There was 10 plagues that happened and the final plague, they marched out. You know, I thought it was interesting to even think about a million people marching out of Phoenix 
and going out into the desert. That was the only picture I could imagine. You know, that many people just marching out of a city area into a desert. It's just a fascinating uh, story. And I imagined myself as a young boy traveling with them. And then they came to the Red Sea. And then what did God do? He cleared a path and there was a wall of water on each side and they walked right on through that wall of water. And as a young boy, I imagined walking with him and looking up at the water. And I just imagined if they could see the fish swimming in there, kind of like an aquarium, like, like the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I wonder if they could do that. I wonder if they could see the fish. And you know, it was so interesting, the story. I imagined myself going out in the desert and picking up the manna. I, I remember the water coming from a rock. I mean, how can water come from a rock? You know, Moses coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Uh, then all the explicit instructions of how they were to build the tabernacle. It just was a fascinating story to me as a young boy. And then eventually over a two-year period, God moved them out to the desert close to Canaan and they were getting ready to go in. And then God's plan also included a promise of a blessing. But we all know the rest of the story. You know, the 12 spies went into the land and of course we have a good report from two, from Joshua and Caleb. And we all remember their names, but we don't remember the names of the other 10, do we? And Numbers 14, 1 through 4, then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, this is the point I want to make. The Israelites decided to what? Trust in themselves instead of God. It looked like an impossible task. And I think sometimes we, as a group of Christians, we view the Great Commission similarly. We sometimes look at it and say, how can we get the message to the whole world, to every people group, to every tribe, to every language? It's a difficult task. But the Israelites, they were disobedient. They rebelled. They held God in contempt. And then as a young boy, I became disillusioned with that group of people. because I was disappointed because I was so far, I was looking to go with them into Canaan. I was so excited about it because they kept saying it was the land of milk and honey. And I remember when I was six years old, I really liked milk and I loved honey. So I was getting really excited to go and then they didn't go and I was disappointed. And in my childlike mind, I thought to myself, these guys are a bunch of losers. Look what God did and they still did not go. And after that, I did not want to be like the Israelites anymore. The heart of the problem was the problem of their hearts. Now, how did God react to this? This was the tipping point, God's anger against his people. And when I read these verses, I don't ever want God to think of me this way. Numbers 14, 11, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done for them? And then in Numbers 14, 21 to 23, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the God, glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness 
and yet have put me to the test these ten times God was counting and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers and none of those who despised me shall see it. Now those are strong words. I don't ever want God talking about me that way. So the Israelites, their punishment was they stayed in the desert for 40 years for trusting themselves instead of trusting God. Now, the Israelites were an example, but I really believe they were an example of what not to do. But now God, he did complete his plan. What did he do? He raised up a new generation. And this new generation goes forward and Joshua leads the Israelites into Canaan. There was seven years later and 31 kings that they defeated. Now I thought it was really interesting that after seven years they defeated the 31 kings that God gave them rest. You know, isn't it interesting with the Great Commission? We complete the Great Commission, there are seven years of tribulation, and Jesus comes back and we have rest. I just thought it was kind of interesting how they both were the same type of a plan. Now in Joshua 21, 44 to 45, this talks about God's faithfulness. And the Lord gave to them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them. For the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. The lesson we are taught here is that this story is that when we obey and do what God asks us to do, he will bless us and God is faithful. God's first plan is now finished. Let's move forward 1,400 years. Jesus comes to the earth. And what did Jesus do? He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He paid the penalty for our sins. And he purchased us a place in heaven. Now, the rest of this story I want to talk about after Jesus came back to life. God now has a new plan. And this new plan is that he wants us to bring the gospel message throughout the whole world and then the end will come and then he will give us rest. Jesus' final command, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now you didn't think we were gonna have a missions conference without reading these verses, right? Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now that's quite a statement. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I thought it was interesting that Jesus told them to make disciples of all the nations. Do you know that that's the first time that Jesus had ever mentioned making disciples? That was at the very end of his ministry. Mark 16, verse 15, and he said to them, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now the disciples did not want Jesus to leave. I can understand that. If I was living with Jesus and hanging out with Jesus, I would not want him to leave. I mean, that would be just a awesome experience now the experience of Jesus leaving I kind of had a similar experience in my life my grandfather Walter Swear moved to uh, Ripon in 1937 
and he purchased a family business or he started a family business there. And they had just gone through the Great Depression and times were tough. But uh, then World War II happened and my dad and my uncle were both in the South Pacific, but they came back and they started working with my grandfather and uh, eventually they took over the business and uh, I had the opportunity to buy the business from my dad and my uncle in 1984. And at that time, my grandfather was 91 years old. He was legally blind. He could walk with a white cane. And it just so happened that he lived in an apartment just down Main Street on one side of Main Street. And two or three times a week, he would walk down to the store and visit for a little while and walk back. Well, I had just taken over the business. I was in business for one or two days. And my grandfather comes walking in the door. And we had a nice time. We talked. And then grandfather was getting a little bit tired. And he headed towards the front door. I walked him towards the front door. And he stopped and he looked at me. He goes, Raj, he says, I'm very proud that you've taken over the family business. And he says, it makes me happy. But I want to leave you a little advice. There's two things I'd like to leave you some advice with. He said, number one, treat all your customers honestly. Now, my grandfather was a good Christian man, and that's the way he treated his customers. Number two, he said, be very careful where you sign your name. And I said, okay, Grandpa, I'll do my best. And he walked out the door. Little did I know that that was the last time he would ever be in the store. A few days later, he had a stroke, and a few weeks after that, he passed away. And, you know, I'll never forget those last moments. It was the last conversation I had with him also. I'll never forget those moments. I'll never forget the words that he told me. They are seared in my memory. And I'm sure it was the same way with the disciples with Jesus. When he gave them these instructions, it, it really sunk in. Their last moments with Jesus, his last words. I'm sure, just as my grandfather, these memories were seared in their mind. They never forgot them. And this was a pivotal moment of Jesus' ministry. You know, he had done all the hard work. And now the ministry really was going to start. And that is with when Jesus sent and the Holy Spirit came and the disciples went out and started bringing the gospel message. Now, does the Great Commission correlate with the Israelites in the desert? I think it does. We can use the experience of the Israelites to be an example of what to avoid if we want to complete the Great Commission. Now, the Israelites, they saw the wonders of God's hands many times. Not just your average miracles, but they were divine, supernatural wonders. I mean, it was incredible what God did. And they still refused to go. Today, we have the wonders of salvation through the cross. And we who possess the Holy Spirit, who, we who believe in Jesus, we possess the Holy Spirit. But still, many refuse to go. Or by going, I say, just refuse to get involved. My previous mindset was this. I am saved. I read my Bible regularly for my own help. I go to church most of the time. I like my friends that I go to church with. I don't tell people about Jesus because everybody I know is a believer. So I'm good, right? Anyway, it makes me feel uncomfortable to tell strangers about Jesus. That was my previous mindset. My previous mindset of my prayer life was this. I prayed every day. What was I praying for, though? I prayed for myself, I prayed for my family, I prayed for my business, I prayed for my finances, I prayed for my health. My thoughts about the Great Commission were, well, you know, I have direct deposit at church, and I think 8 or 9% of what I give goes to missions, so uh, I can scratch that one off my list, I can check that box, 
my life is good. Let's go golfing, let's go fishing. Now there's nothing wrong with golfing and fishing, but what's the priority? And I started thinking to myself, besides work, how much time do I spend every day thinking about or talking about the news, weather, and sports? Does that take up a lot of your day? I know it used to take up a lot of mine. I used to be really involved in sports. I mean, I, would, I had season tickets to the Giants. I watched a lot of sports. Took my boys there. I mean, I knew everything about it. And news, I used to study the news. Now, these are not bad things in themselves. But how did I prioritize them in my life? That is the problem. Now, God convicted me. And I said to myself, how much of my day every day do I spend thinking or praying or doing something to help spread the gospel in my community or the rest of the world? And I asked myself, where are my priorities? Am I number one? Or is God number one in my life? Which one is it? And then I thought, how did I miss this? I grew up in the church. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now this, these verses have been read many times in this church. Where moth and rust destroy and where the thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart will be also. Now, investing in God's kingdom is an eternal investment. It has eternal dividends. Then later in the chapter, Jesus says, Matthew 6, but seek ye first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Along with the Great Commission, I used to think that these were just suggestions. But God started to work in my heart, I started to get involved, and it changed my life for the better. And I started to focus less on myself and more on what God was doing. And I'll tell you, ever since I've been involved in missions, it's been a pleasure working with people like these international people that are spreading the gospel all over the world. It's been the joy of my life. It really has. It has really changed my life. Now, there's a story on Matthew 24. And it talks about Jesus. And Jesus is walking out of the temple and he's talking to his disciples. And his disciples are discussing the temple. Now the temple was one of the most impressive buildings on the earth at that time. It was made out of massive cuts of stone, out of pure white marble. And on the eastern side of the temple, it had all these gold plates along the eastern side so that when the sun came up, it reflected that you could see for miles. And then Jesus prophesies to them and he tells the disciples, Soon this temple will be destroyed. There will not be one stone left on top of the other. Well, this really bothered the disciples because the temple was a very important place to the Jewish people. It held great worth. And as he sat on the, uh, Matthew 24, verse 3, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives, now the disciples are going to ask a question and Jesus is going to give a direct answer. And the question is this, as he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming 
and of the end of the age. And so they're asking Jesus to prophesy to them again about when he's coming and when the end of the age is going to happen. And Jesus tells us when. Now, I'm not sitting here today or standing here today to tell you what day Jesus is coming back. I can't do that. I'm just going to tell you what Jesus told his disciples. Now, Matthew 24, verse 14, the answer that he gives. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And that word nations in the Greek is ethnos. And that word describes a people group. It does not describe a nation like we understand a nation today with boundaries and names. These were definitely people groups that he was talking about. So Jesus is saying the gospel will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. This, now there is proof that the Great Commission will be accomplished. If we go to Revelation 7 verse 9... John receives this vision, and this is what he says. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Now, I'm guessing this is billions. It's got to be billions. There's a lot of people there. From every nation, he says, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and with palm branches in their hands. Now, what an awesome scene that must have been. And you know, I'm excited to be there someday. I don't know about you, but I want to be standing there wearing that white robe. That is going to be an unbelievable scene of a billion people standing out there in their white robes. Uh, and then holding palm branches in their hands. Now the disciples ask the question, when will the end of the age come? And Jesus answers, when all have heard. And after all have heard, we are promised eternal rest. Just like remember the Israelites. They were promised out of his plan. They were promised a rest, but a different rest than what we are promised. We are promised eternal rest when Jesus comes back again. So the benefits are even greater for us in the Great Commission. Now, God's promise for rest for all believers. Now in Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. These are a couple of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. And I just love that word strive because I think it's what I'm asking you to do today. Try, try to help out, strive, work at it. And that's what the Bible is asking us to do too. So let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience as what? As the Israelites. <clears throat> For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of the heart and of moral, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There will be no one hiding in the shadows. No one. The Great Commission the greatest endeavor ever given to man with the greatest promise of rest. Now I have a question I want to ask you and I want you to ask yourselves this question. Now ask yourself, am I wandering in the desert? Or am I willing to obey and do what God commands me to do? 
I think we all need to ask ourselves that question. Now, we have talked about what God is doing, and it's phenomenal what's going on in missions right now. We have talked about the plan that God had and how his people were disobedient and how we don't want to use that as an example. We have talked about the new commandment which we have been given. Now, let's see what still needs to be done. There's a lot of work to do. There are over 400 million people in India alone who have never heard the name of Jesus. They do not know one Christian. They've never heard of Jesus. Now that is an incredible amount of people. That's more people in the, than in all of the United States, every man, woman, and child. There are 180 million people who do not have access to a Bible. They do not have a Bible at all in their language. They just don't have it. Right now, Wycliffe is working on 2,267 different languages. I mean, that's an incredible task if you really think about it. They're, they're taking this in 2,267 languages and making it into different languages. What a, what a job. I mean, that is a huge endeavor. The problem is there are still 1,800 languages that still haven't been translated or they don't have any words in the Bible. I was in uh, Wycliffe uh, headquarters a few months ago and they have a big fish tank and in that fish tank they have a bunch of colored balls like tennis balls it looks like in there. Maybe they're not tennis, maybe they're table tennis balls. But anyway, they're all different colors and inside that tank they have 1,800 balls and every time that there's a language that has started they take out one more ball and they're working to get to the bottom of that tank. There's 1.5 billion people that only have a part of this Bible. They don't have the whole thing. I'm glad I got the whole thing. I'm sure you guys are too. I mean, isn't that incredible? 1.5 billion only have a partial Bible? Now ask yourself, how hard would it be for you to live your life pleasing to God without the word of God directing you? I know it would be difficult for me. I read my Bible every day. I love my Bible. Now challenge, I have a challenge for you today. Make yourself available to God. Ask God to help you to be more focused on what God is doing and less on yourself. Now here are some practical things you can do to get involved. Prayer. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. If the whole Christian world would start praying for the end of the, end of the commission, I think God would be moved. I subscribe to Global Prayer Digest. I get uh, emails sent to me every day. It has an unreached people group in there that I can pray for. I just love spending that time praying for those people. Every day it's a different group. Uh, the Dwelling Place meets here once a month. We also have Big Valley Grace Global Prayer Guides, and we're going to be handing those out next weekend. Those are precious. When you guys get those things, please be praying for our supported missionaries. I mean, they put themselves in danger where they go. They put themselves in danger. They, where they go, they, they cannot proclaim the name of Jesus openly like we can here. And uh, it, it, there's persecution in the areas where they bring the gospel. Uh, there's a couple of areas that are really persecuted, like where Doma works there in Indonesia and where Sheikah works in India. There's a lot of persecution there. And so the other thing you can do to get involved, we have a Big Valley Grace prayer group that meets once a month that prays for all of our supported missionaries. Uh, and then we also have a perspectives class that I would encourage you to get involved in. Perspectives on the world Christian movement. They're, they have these classes a couple times a year. And I know, I think it was uh, 
Marilyn Coyle and Kathy White that took this class. And from the, that class was the start of our women uh, meeting once a month, praying for all of our missionaries. Now, it's an incredible class. It's what, it's what encouraged me also to get involved in missions. Give. Now, this is a very giving church. And I'm telling you, I'm proud to be a part of this church that gives. But giving is certainly a part of it. And then go. And by go, I mean get involved. Take an interest in what God is doing. Now, remember, getting involved in the Great Commission is not what saves us. We are not working our way into heaven. And any of you guys that heard Pastor Rick's message last week, and you remember his message was about not working our way into heaven. But true saving faith is trusting and believing in Jesus alone. This is the key to heaven. And by obeying God and getting involved in the Great Commission, we can demonstrate our gratefulness to Jesus for what he did for us. I know I'm grateful. Are you? Now, there's a powerful verse in Proverbs 24, 11, verse, and 11 and 12. It says, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Jesus says, and surely I am with you always. And so we do not have to do it alone. God always goes with us when we go out to the Great Commission. Now would you please stand and join me in prayer? Father God, dear Lord Jesus, unless you build the house, we labor in vain. We know you have plans for the ministries we support and for our local staff. Please, Lord, help this church to hear your voice, directing our every step, calling out to us to go this way or to go that way. You alone are God. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Then help us to rest in your timing and provision. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's how you can get involved right now. Join me in watching this video. Pastor Rick has a video for us, and then Bobby's going to come up and say a few things. Thank you. Hey, Big Valley Grace family. Thank you, Pastor Roger, for uh, unpacking the Word of God. I have no doubt that uh, God used you in, in a great way at Big Valley Grace. I'm actually in Pennsylvania preaching the Word and wish I could be there with you in person. But here's the deal. Last weekend, if you were in church, I told you a little bit about adopting a verse. We're actually uh, going to work really hard at getting the book of Romans translated into some dialects in India. Uh, there's uh, missionaries that we work with there, and they don't have the book of Romans. It's never been translated into their dialect. And so today, 
In just a moment, Pastor Bobby's going to give you a few more details and he's going to end in prayer here in a moment. But we're going to ask you to get up, make your way out into our foyer area. And we want you as an individual to invest in a verse, maybe two verses, maybe three verses. We want you as a, as a family to invest in a verse or two. Uh, our men's ministry invested in three whole chapters. And it could be that you as a family want to invest in a whole chapter. I don't know what the Lord's going to ask you to do, but here's a moment when we as a church family get to be doers of the word. And we want you to walk out into the, the hallway there and pray and get together. And you're going to see tables and things out there. People are going to give you all kinds of um, instructions. It may look a little complicated, but it'll be simple once you get out there. And, and let's, as a church family, invest in getting the Word of God, the Book of Romans, into the hands of our missionaries in India. And uh, I have no doubt that God will use that in great ways to reach people with the gospel and to disciple the Christians that are there. Okay, so listen, uh, looking forward to being back there with you next weekend. And Pastor Bobby, come on up. Okay, blessings. All right. Well, church family, we've been given the challenge. Pastor Roger laid it out. Pastor Rick has shared. And uh, this is what we're going to do in just a couple moments. Uh, I'm going to ask if you're in the worship auditorium or if you're over in the venue, you're going to make your way into the foyer. And it's raining a lot outside, so don't be in a hurry to leave. We'll gather in the foyer and we'll take this challenge together. And what's going to happen is when you go out there, you're going to notice there's a lot of tables. And uh, the book of Romans is, is uh, 16 chapters. And so we've broken it into chapters 1 through 4 and 5 through 8. And you just get behind the, the section that you want to adopt a verse from. And you'll notice there's a, there's a line for if you want to use a, a credit or debit, and there's a line if you want to use a cash or check, and you be uh, deciding right now. We're going to do this for the next three weekends, so if you're not prepared this weekend, you can do it one of the next two weekends, but you decide if you want to adopt one verse or however many you want to adopt. Each verse in one dialect is $40, so if you want to adopt one verse in all three dialects, that would be $120. And so you can adopt today as many verses, as many dialects as you'd like. And after you pay, then you're going to be uh, you're going to go to the wall that has all the verses of Romans uh, written out and you'll have a chance to sign your name or sign your family's name. Or if you have a group that went together, however you decide to do it and you have a chance to put your name uh, next to uh, that verse that you have adopted, knowing that you were used to be a part of making sure that the entire book of Romans was translated for this uh, people group. And so uh, it was a joy for my family to be able to get this card and know that God used us to be able to be a part of, of what's going on there. If you're watching online, uh, you can go to bigvalleygrace.org slash give, and you'll notice there's a place where you can be a part of adoptive verse as well. So I want to go ahead and ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for us over in the venue. Stand. I'll pray for us all, and we'll go out and uh, accept this challenge to adopt a verse uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for, uh, for your word that was taught this morning. Thank you for Pastor Roger and just the way that he laid out uh, what your word says about uh, your great commission and our responsibility in that. 
Father, thanks for all our missionary partners that are here with us this weekend and the next couple weekends during this REACH conference time. And Father, I would just pray that there would be great joy in the foyer in just a moment, knowing that uh, some of the resources that you have entrusted us with, that we can manage in a way that is gonna have uh, incredible dividends in the kingdom of God. Would you just be a blessing uh, to uh, each person as we go out and uh, we sign our names and we donate toward uh, having the word of God translated in a, in a language that these people just don't even have it right now. We're so fortunate for what we have in this country. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.